This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Welcome to Pet Chat. I'm Jane Klein and with me today, Dr. David Tabret. Uh, hello, David. Hi, Jane. And uh, you've got a special topic for us today. Yes, well, we know the festive season is coming up soon. So what about um, cats can get into mischief around Christmas trees? We've seen them pull bits off, but they can actually cause some trouble. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Okay, mm. cats and Christmas. Mm, sounds good. And Danny Boss here too. Hi, Jane. Welcome to you. And Thank you. You'll be. We'll be talking a little bit later on with an interesting person. Exactly. We have a local inventor of, a, I think, a great pet product that comes in handy for us pet owners, um, and some events as well. Excellent. Okay. So, David, cats. Right. Well, coming up to Christmas, we do have a couple of topics over the next couple of weeks that we want to talk about, and um, chocolate and dogs. We'll come back to that again in a week or two. But uh, cats are also not immune. They tend to stay away from chocolate, smart little creatures that they are, but they love to play with the Christmas decoration. And now, so, why do you say smart little creatures? Well, chocolate's not good for animals. Well, it's, is it good for people? Yeah, it's, it's very it's very good for people. <laughs> Lots of nutrition t- for yeah, people. Yeah, that's right. But not for animals. No, no. It can, but we'll we'll cover chocolate another day. Okay. But um, if the, your cat's anything like my cat, cats, sorry, uh, they tend to jump at the Christmas tree and they knock the baubles off and pull down tinsel and everything. One of the problems that we have seen in years past is cats who like to chew on the tinsel. And that can actually cause a lot, lot of problems. They get it wrapped around their tongue and they try to swallow it or they just swallow it anyway. Now, it, when it does that, and this doesn't have to be tinsel, it can be wool or string or cotton, anything like that that's a long, thin, well, basically we call it linear, foreign body. And what happens is um, it can cause problems in the gut. Now, if it's caught around the tongue, it won't move. It'll just, the end of it will trail off into the intestine and whatever. Uh, the body tends to think, well, let's keep it moving, let's move it through, you know, no need to stay and watch this, folks, keep moving. And what happens is the intestine starts to bunch up and it claws onto this string and it starts to cut through the wall of the intestine. So I've seen it where it's caught around the tongue. I've seen um, cases where we've had tinsel that's balled up in the stomach sitting as a ball and it won't move but a bit of it trails off into the intestine. So, again, the intestine tries and moves it to move it on. And um, what happens is uh, that causes a very, very severe um, peritonitis, and obviously it can perforate through the uh, intestine wall, and uh, it's very, very dangerous. So in those cases, we do need to operate to remove it. If you do have um, your cat that looks like it's vomiting and so on around this time of the year, and it is a habit of chewing on things, strings, wool, or tinsel, to have a look under its tongue, first of all, because they get caught around the front of the tongue, which is called the frenulum, and sometimes you'll see it there or it's cutting into that area. Now, whatever you do, do not pull it because that can actually make things worse. What you need to do is probably uh, get them to the vet straight away. I was going to suggest maybe cutting it, but that's a little bit dangerous. Let's just get straight to the vet because it can be very severe. Uh, when we operate on these animals, we find that as the string or whatever it is is cutting in, it might actually do that in a number of spots. And I remember... Uh, one cat that I operated on actually had 30 perforations along the length of the bowel. So every centimetre or so, as the intestine tried to bunch up and grab onto this string, it's just cutting straight through the wall of the intestine. 
um, we had to remove a section of bowel and basically go along and stitch the bowel back together uh, where all these perforations had occurred. So it can be quite severe and nasty. Um, it, this can happen all year round. So it's not just at Christmas. It just seems that um, cats love tinsel. I don't know. It's just that we <laughs> tend to have tinsel out more well, around Christmas time. Well, unless you're a very happy person and you might have tinsel around all the year. But, yes, <laughs> much more common at this jolly, time of the year. A jolly person, jolly. I think, is yes. <laughs> So That's cats right. and Christmas. And I suppose if they knock uh, baubles and things, uh, glass balls off um, off well, trees, that can be a bit of a problem they, for everybody. Yes, yes. So be careful because they do like to play with those things. And um, if they're like my cats, they tend to do it right in the middle of the night and wake everyone up. And you think Santa Claus has arrived early, but no, he hasn't. <laughs> David, I think personally too, uh, with Christmas trees that have got the fairy lights on them, yes. just be careful. I don't know so much about cats, but I know puppies like to chew the cord. They do. So that's something they, to be careful they about. They can electrocute themselves. Mm. One of the funny things about electrocution in puppies, which is quite common, that they, they get a burn mark in their mouth. But the interesting thing is they actually get a, a flood of fluid into their lungs, which is a nerve reflex. It's called neurogenic edema, and it can occur within seconds. So they've got, you know, a mild shock or a little burn in their mouth, and they might walk away, and within a few minutes they're down and coughing and blue because of this nerve reflex that's caused all the blood vessels to leak fluid into the into the airways. And um, it's one of the consequences of... of um, electrocution in the mouth so just be very careful because um if they if there are puppies around they'll do they'll chew on the uh fairy lights as danny said mm. alluded to and um cats of course will well they can sometimes do the same as well they'll chew on the the electric cords also so what's the answer well i think just be aware and just um keep keep things up away from them so they can't you know jump up and grab them maybe provide some distraction uh, beha- you know, toys and so on for them. We've talked about laser lights and um, things that you can use to get the cats playing. I know it sounds hard. You've got to try and wear your cat out. And they've got they've got balls of energy. They'll just keep going all day. Put a harness on them, take them for a walk while you ride the bike. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you do it, David? <laughs> I can't imagine I'm that rubbing, with a cat. <laughs> I'm rubbing my temples. <laughs> Trying to No, imagine. do not. Do not take your cat for a walk while you're on a bike. I suppose one answer is to, to close the door of the room that the Christmas tree is in and the, the lights are Well, in. if we can keep the cats away fr- and the puppies away from that. From yeah. an unsupervised tree. That's right, supervised. Um, so just make sure if the lights are t- the fairy lights are turned off that they're unplugged from the wall so that there's no chance of current leakage um, if the puppies come along and grab it. Yeah. And then uh, we will we will talk about chocolate next week. Oh, mm. okay. <laughs> it's always nice to talk about chocolate. You're listening to <laughs> Pet Chat. It's 19 past 12. And when we come back, we'll be finding out about a really interesting product that's on the market now. It's been invented by uh, an Australian. And you're listening to Pet Chat. Now, Danny Boss... Hi, Jane. Okay, now, when you're walking your dog, you know, there's a lot of things you tend to carry. There might be your mobile phone, your iPod that you're listening to music, perhaps, doggy bags, all sorts of things. A little bit of money, perhaps. Bit of money, exactly. Comes in handy when you stop at the local shop to get an ice cream while you're walking your dog. I like to do that. (laughs) But um, 
Jamie Knight from Doog Australia, an Australian, has invented this fantastic walkie belt. So we've got him on the show and I wanted to talk to him about the reasons behind the invention and what it can do. So thanks for joining the show, Jamie. Hi, Danny. Hi. Look, first of all, tell us a, 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 about the idea behind the invention of the walkie belt. Yeah, well, I was walking the dog with my wife and um, I had a pocket full of everything. So I had my lead my bag, my phone, my wallet, they're all in my pockets. I had these huge bulky pockets. And our dog, uh, Wilbur, obviously, as they do, decided to do his business. Yes. And um, I suddenly realized I couldn't find the bag. So I was fishing around for the bags, which were right underneath, you know, my phone, my wallet, and everything else. So there I was, desperately trying to find them. And uh, uh, Wilbur was still still going, uh, going strong, as it were. <laughs> but... Um, Finally managed to find this bag, pulled it out. It's one of those supermarket bags, and it and it just broke. And I was just mortified. So mm. um, I just thought there must be a better way. And I had a chat with my wife, and I said, you know, how about we just make a a really nice stylish belt, which basically would compartmentalise everything into separate pockets. So a you could uh, find things quickly and easily, but also. Um, you know, it would come with free, a free pack of tidy bags, which were a decent um, set of tidy bags that are biodegradable and strong with handles. So yes, I was going to ask you, like, it's, it's not just an ordinary belt. There's lots of different compartments, and you can do so much with it. Exactly. Mm, so the features are, you're saying it's got a space for your um, doggy bags, which are not biodegradable. Yeah, they're biodegradable, and they've got these handles, so it's nice and easy to tie them. But they've basically got these specialized pockets at the front with slits in Yes. So you can pull the bags out like tissues. So you don't actually have to open any pockets at all. You can just pull them straight out one by one. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. And I suppose the other main reason why we created the belt was because, you know, to free up your pockets, which I spoke about before. Um, you can get bum bags, obviously, which you see quite a few people around with. But yeah. we found that it's really, because it's just one pocket in a bum bag. Yes. It's really hard to find things. So the the walkie belt actually compartmentalizes them, which is a great uh, benefit, basically. Well, I've been testing it out myself, and I like that. And one of my favorite parts is the fact that there's another slot, which they come out like tissues as well. It's got antibacterial hand wipes. Yeah, so we, we wanted to put the hand wipes in there, obviously, for the, for the reason if you do get in a mess, um, you've got some hand wipes to clean up, and you don't have to go back to the house to, to wash. You can You can clean yourself up and, you know go and handle your children or go go to the coffee shop and get a coffee without having to go back to the house. So that was really important to us that we had those hand wipes in there. And you can also attach uh, your lead for your dog? Yes, there's a carabiner on the side. Um, It's designed to put the dog lead on once you've let the dog off. Um, We're actually designing a version where you can actually attach the dog on there, but uh, you can put your keys on there or you can put your dog lead. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea is your hands free and you don't have to carry all these things either in your pockets or your hands that's what the, i thought that that's the, the simplicity of all those ideas put into the one is fantastic yeah mm. and um yeah so you, you've also got a clip on the other side for your ipod so if you want to listen to some music when you you're going um walking or even running because the belt is designed to be very lightweight yes um and unlike the bum bag where all the weight is in one space it actually spreads the weight across all your body so um 
it's really nice and lightweight and you sort of forget it's even there, which is great. Now, in terms of the antibacterial wipes and the biodegradable bags, yeah. are they available as refills? Yeah, there are refills available. So um, they come in a box with three packs inside mm-hmm. and there's 60 in total, so three packs of 20. And some examples of how to use the belt? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously it's designed for the, for the sort of casual walker people who, the person who looks after the dog, um, be it the mum, you know, and you can, you can basically wear the belt. The, the only thing you need to grab as you leave the house. So, you know, get a, get a spare key cut and leave it in there, put a $20 note and leave it in there. And then when you leave the house, you don't have to rush around looking for everything. You can just grab your walkie belt and out you go with the dog. And uh, our dog, sort of, as soon as we touch the belt, he knows exactly where he's going. Now, so, I, um, <clears throat> with, with, with myself, for example, and there's a lot of people out there who, you know, they want their leash and, and the dog's collar to, to match the clothing that they're wearing while they're going for a walk. So, I know. They're so, very trendy these days, aren't they? That's right. So tell us a little bit about the colours that this uh, dog walkie belt is available. Yeah, well, I think the main thing for us was that we wanted to create something that was stylish because, you know, to us, bum bags are pretty ugly. Um, and we wanted to create something that was more discreet than a bum bag, didn't stick out as much, and it's, it's really stylish. So we've actually produced a whole range of colours. And we've got, um, in the in the all-weather material, which is a sort of rainproof material, we've got a pink, a yellow, a black, a red, and a green. Yes. But we've also got um, a denim to go with your denim jeans. And in the cotton fabric, we've got a polka pink and a camo. I love it. That's fantastic. There's something for everyone there. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And that's what you need. And it is available. And it's from a local inventor based here, right here in Newcastle. Being being exported around the world too, isn't it, Jamie? That's right. Yeah, it's really taking off in America. The the Americans really love it. And the Brits as well. So um, it's very exciting. And And where can people find it locally? Um, you can find it in pet uh, specialty shops here in Newcastle. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. And it's something that I haven't seen before. And when I saw it, I thought, wow, this is great. And uh, it's certainly a very useful product to, th- uh, to have around your waist while you're walking your dog. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Jamie. And, uh, yes, certainly looks very trendy, doesn't it? It's 28 past, uh, past 12 right at the moment. And you're listening to Pet Chat. We'll be very happy to take your calls. 49216216. If you've got a question you'd like to put to Dr. David Tabrett and about your pet, give us a call. You're listening to Pet Chat. Now, David, you came across an interesting... Well, look, I'm on my way in here. Deb Austin, who's very lovely, Deb, works here. As um, We've been talking about her cats for the last couple of months, and she brought up a scenario... Well, can't you get it right? No, well... <laughs> they keep she's doing got, different things. She has, and, and some challenges, because um, different ages and so on. But we've talked about litter trays and so on, and we've talked about this on the show, having uh, the number of litter trays should be... One per cat plus one. So Deb's done all the right things there. But what's happening is her older cat actually goes to use the litter tray and uh, when he's there, but he misses the tray. I know, he's a boy. Um, So manages to miss the tray. The interesting thing about this is that sometimes these behaviours are interpreted in different ways. You know, does that mean that he's stressed and uh, it's a behavioural problem or does it mean he's got a urinary tract infection because, you know, we're forever having to clean up and things like that? But what actually I think is happening is when we see that is 
there's a couple of things I ask about. One is, um, is the litter tray big enough? Because sometimes you get these really big cats, you know, seven, eight kilo cats, and they actually can't fit in those little trays. So you've got to go for the mega-sized trays. But the uh, the other thing that often happens is that um, they just don't really know where they're aiming, if I can say it like that. They just don't really know. Now, it could be that that's um, like an orthopedic disease, like they might have hip problems, so instead of squatting properly, the angle's wrong, or a neurological disease, so perhaps the sensation of knowing where they're aiming isn't quite right. Sometimes that neurological disease could be in the brain, and some t- we see this associated with older animals, um, that, uh, believe it or not, cats and dogs do uh, suffer some forms of dementia and we do know that they develop um, cognitive uh, behavioural problems and degeneration of the brain. So there may be age-related changes that are happening there. We can try and see if we can move things around to uh, make it a bit easier for him and make a bit of bigger litter tray, that sometimes helps. But the important thing is that how we distinguish that from behavioural problems is that he's actually using the litter tray. So when cats are, for example, just spraying around the house, and that might be stress-related, then generally what they do is they're just not even going to the litter tray. You know, they're standing up against the door and spraying on the door. And that's one of the things too, is that if your cat is spraying on a vertical surface, it's usually a behavioural problem. But if they're squatting and it looks like they're trying normally to go, then it's a you know usually a medical reason. So that's how we distinguish between the two. So look, Deb and I are going to keep working on that. We'll do our best. Mm. We're very happy to take your calls too. Four nine two one six two one six. If you have a question about your pet, you'd like to put to David, our pet vet today. Now, David, what about moving house? Do cats cats normally aren't as easy about moving house, are they? If no, that's to right. Be moving as dogs are. Well, yeah. Look, dogs can also show some behavioural problems, and there's things that you can do to help that. But certainly, cats um, seem to suffer the most in that regard. There's been some really good advances in how we deal with that now. Um, we've always said that if you are going to move house, you need to. Uh, if your cat's an outside cat, then you need to transition them to an inside cat for quite a few months before the move, if you can plan it that well, um, because when they go to the new place, you don't want them to just simply go outside. They'll tend to wander back to their, or at least attempt to go back to their old environment, which might be uh, cities away. So we need to um, transition them to inside. That, again, brings up the issue of the litter tray, so that's important. Um, It might be that that makes things a little bit crowded, but if we're going to transition the the cat successfully we need to do these things the other important thing that we've found is that we use fell away spray which is a pheromone for cats that is actually quite calming now pheromones are um, protein um, chemicals excreted in times of fear or in calming times and they provide a signal to others around us and we can't detect them but cats can and the interesting thing is that um, Fellaway is a very good product for use in cats that are showing stress of different kind, um, particularly cats with urinary tract problems where they're spraying because they might be stressed. Uh, we use Fellaway spray around the house, and you can actually get it as a diffuser that you plug into your uh, PowerPoint, and that's probably the best way to use it. So you set up your Fellaway spray, um, you know, a week or two before, a couple of weeks before the cat starts to get used to that. What you do is you can actually spray it into the cage that you transport them, 
When you go to the new place, put the fellaway spray in the diffuser and plug it in before you bring the cat in so the cat goes from this nice calming environment, the transition in the cage is calm, they go into a calming environment, everybody's happy. But you do need to keep them inside when you do move house because otherwise they get very upset. Do you need to wean them off the pheromone? It's a it's an amazing uh, treatment, and it, um, you know probably you don't want to be running it forever. Um, but I know a lot of people with multi cat households that do use it all the time, just to keep the calm, keep the peace between them. Now, this if we've got a minute, I'll just tell you the story because this is really interesting. How this stuff is made, you know, if your cat's feeling very happy, they come and rub their cheek along your leg and whatever. They, they're very happy. Now, what there is is actually um, glands on the side of their face that secrete this chemical that uh, is a calming pheromone. And some scientists in France worked out what the protein was, worked out what the genetic code was to produce that, and then they've mass-produced this pure pheromone protein and put it in a bottle, call it Fellaway. And so it's the same protein that cats use when they come and rub along uh you know their cheeks along the furniture along your legs and that says i'm a happy cat (laughs) (laughs) i always thought that cats were also making a point when they rubbed their heads along your uh, legs like um i own you like that yes yeah well perhaps this place (laughs) it's it's not so it's not like a dog with marking territory okay it's just i want to feel good about this place and if you know you should feel privileged if a cat's going to rub on you then they know that they're calm around you, and they're safe. Mm. Mm. Now, we've spoken over the months about calming collars which were under under development, Danny. Yes, and leading on straight from the pheromones, these calming collars work the same way. But instead of a, a spray that you can use or that gets plugged in and it's emitted, um, this is a collar which will fit around the, the cat or the dog. And there's, so there's the two varieties, a cat collar and a dog collar. And they're called the good behavior dog collar or calming collar and uh, it works in the way that it it releases the pheromones and it helps with dogs who've got separation anxiety dogs who excessively bark uh, destructive behavior inappropriate marking behavior as well fantastic for those listeners who've called us up about these collars where their dogs um, have a bit of a fit during uh, fireworks or thunderstorms they get a bit scared and anxious so you put this calming collar on them and it releases the pheromones and it, it calms them down now the great thing is is that if you've got a particularly bad situation you can put the collar on the dog 24 hours a day seven days a week and it'll last you about 30 days but if it's only for certain situations it can last you six months or a year as long as it's then put back in a sealed plastic sealed clip lock bag so that it can be it can maintain its pheromones fantastic product i have to say and it's been already very popular mm. There's a uh, similar to the Fellaway, there is a dog product as well that comes in a spray, but it looks to me like the collar's going to work really good for animals that are outside and uh, maybe the combination of things for dogs that are inside. Um, so we've got a, the, the amazing thing about this is that, you know, years ago, we really didn't have much in our arsenal to deal with these patients that came in that were showing very severe stress and separation anxieties, and we've seen animals that have really suffered. When they do have these anxieties, we can do behaviour modification, we can change the environment and so on. Sometimes we use drug therapy to ease them through these times 
and I think the um, development of these um, calming collars, along with the, the you know the Fellaway and the DAP, which is the dog product, gives us another tool to help ease the uh, stress on these pets. These collars uh, mention that the pheromones that a mother releases to its puppies or kittens are the same pheromones that are used in the collars. It's a relaxing and calming pheromone that the the dogs and kittens. Or, or, or cats are used to. So uh, is the pheromone different in cats and dogs? Is it specific oh, yes, to each yes. species? So yep. you've got a, you can't use a cat collar on a dog, for example, or It would make the dog run around. Well, would it? <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. The interesting <laughs> thing is when we were saying about cats that are stressed, there are pheromones in uh, the urine of stressed cats, which is an anxiety-inducing pheromone. And so the opposite is that you've got these calming pheromones that come off their face. So they can be fear-inducing, anxiety-producing, or they can be calming like, you know, with the, the mother with her puppies. And it makes sense that if you have that chemical message that's happening because um, they're in close contact and they're feeding milk, for instance, but that's a bit slow. It might be quicker if we can just release this... Um, you know, Super dose. <laughs> yeah, into the air and the puppy breathes it in and it activates receptors in the brain very quickly, very calming. So, it, uh, you know, the biology of it is very sound and uh, it's just taken us thousands of years to work out how to, <laughs> how to, how to use it. <laughs> how to extract it. So is it also worth doing things like providing a nice, safe environment for your pet in a thunderstorm, that kind of thing? Yeah, one of the things that happens is when we get pets in storms, they're very anxious. And so we often tell people is, look, you need to make a secure place for them. So they'd like to be underneath something. And a lot of people will say, look, the dog goes under the lounge, he goes under the bed, and I try and get him out and tell him it's all going to be okay and cuddle him. Oftentimes they just need to be left underneath something so that they feel secure. Um, if we just simply say to them also, uh, you know, it's going to be okay, not make too big of a fuss because we don't want to l- give the message that the anxiety is the right response. We just want them to know that they're safe. So I know some people who actually do have an area that they set up and they know if there's a storm coming, they'll go and move the dog's bedding and their bowl and everything under that area, um, preferably not outside, I guess. Mm. But um, it just provides that level of comfort. And if the dog knows they can go there, they'll be a lot happier too. 49216216 is the number for you to call if you've got a comment or a question. And Margaret has rung in. Hello, Margaret. Hello, how are you? Got a question for David? Yes, I have a cat. He's seven years old and he meows constantly and has done. We uh, got him as a, a kitten from the RSPCA. Mm-hmm. And after a week, we were going to take him back because he just meows constantly. Now, seven years later, we still have him and love him dearly, but he's still meows all the time. As soon as he walks in the door, he meows. I can't keep him in at night because as soon as he wakes up, he meows. What sort of a cat is he, Margaret? Just a... a just a domestic short hair. Yeah, just, just a moggy. Domestic short hair, yeah. Yeah, it's a common thing that we hear in um, some of the oriental breeds. I know that Siamese cats constantly talk. Um, and so they've always got something to say to us and they communicate vocally. Other cats, you never hear boo from them. You know, you turn around and they're right behind you giving you a fright. So sounds like your cat might have a little bit of the oriental cat in his background and uh, he wants to have a message. Obviously, it's not a distress thing because it's been going on for so long uh, and he's just a really big talker for you. Yes, he is. Mm. <laughs> and well, most of the time it's all right, but, you know, just... 
sometimes it's just annoying and you think, I just wish he'd just be quiet and he doesn't understand, like, this is not the time for meowing. Oh, uh, look, I've got an aunt like that too, but... <laughs> <laughs> so there's no easy answers to keeping your cat from meowing. If it's a talker, it's a talker. Yeah, you've had him for seven years. I, yeah. I think he's got some habits. Um I, you know, we're talking about anxieties and everything like that. I guess if you can identify certain situations where he's getting worse, then that might be something. Right. But right. his behaviour is constant. Like to know, just likes you to know he's there. As soon as he walks in the door, that's it. I'm here, and if he can't see you, then mm. he meows. And you know, if I say to him, "I'm going outside," lucky out he comes, and he can't see me, he'll let out this ferocious meow as if he's saying to me, "Well, where are you? I can't see you." Um, well, just always, and the, 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 it sort of annoys the kids more than me. I just talk back to him, you know, it doesn't bother yep. me so much. But I just, it, we always sort of put him out in the shed at night time, and I just think, God, lucky if you were, you know, just be quiet, you could stay in all night. But <laughs> as soon as he wakes up, that's him. He's got to meow and find out where we all are, which is yeah. not really good in the middle of the night. But there's no easy solution to it. No, and I, I, but I think um, you talking back with him, having those conversations, um, that's what he needs. Yeah, 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 I know. As soon as I talk to him, that's right. He'd be, he'd be quiet. And as soon as he can't see me again, he lets out another meow. Yeah. Well. All right. Hopefully, we just have to love him for what he is. I think so. I think so. <laughs> All righty. Thanks for your call, Margaret. Okay. And bye uh, bye. And Mrs. Johnson um, has joined us on the line now. Four nine two one six two one six is the number that she's rung. Hello. How can we help you? Um, look, um, I just like to know um, the. Um, why, uh, if you've got an animal mm-hmm. uh, that uh, wets on the carpet uh, inside your house accidentally, if you go and put some um, di- uh, disinfectant down on the carpet, why does that animal walk around it won't go near that area? Well, the, the interesting thing, is this a dog or a cat? A dog. Dog, right. Um, make sure that... Uh, there's no health problems with your dog for that reason. But uh, one of the things we find is that a lot of the um, antiseptics and disinfectants contain um, ammonia products or they're very strongly scented and that can be quite um, distracting for dogs. Now, sometimes it's actually attractive and they'll go back and you know decide, oh, that's where they're going to mess all the time. And other times they'll avoid it like the plague and... So it's really to do with the the chemical smell that's associated with the cleaning. Um, Sometimes it means that you need to go to use a neutral type of cleaner, um, and there are a few of those on the market as well. There is a product called Urine Free, David, and uh, it helps to it, it actually breaks down the urine enzymes, so it gets rid of the smell, and no dog's nose can pick up that scent. Well, there you go. Where do you buy that? Your pet specialty stores would have that, yeah. Well, there you go. So that's a that's an alternative, and it probably does make it a bit more pleasant in the house as well when it, that does happen. It's a, yeah, it's a stain remover, and it also kills the smell, so oh, it no excellent. longer exists. Yeah. Um, can I ask another thing, please? Sure. Uh, got you on the phone. My my dog uh, goes to the um, uh, kitchen uh, doorway, which leads into the laundry. Mm-hmm. And he just sniffs um, from the kitchen, uh, from the uh, uh, door from the dining room into the kitchen. He just sniffs out towards the laundry. Why is that? I guess. He, I mean, it might be that he's picking up the scent of something. Hopefully, it's not a um, 
hopefully it's just a cleaning product and you don't have mice or something running through, but uh, it'd be something that he's picked up, maybe some food. I'd, do, I'd be thinking food, uh, chemical cleaning, or another creature. That'd be the three things. So if you can rule out f- that uh, there's not, um, you know, nobody's dropped some food in that trail or uh, that there hasn't been some cleaning products applied across that area, yeah. then um, I'd be concerned that he might be detecting the, the scent of, say, mice or something like that, which um, can be about. So have a, have a look around for any evidence of those sort of things because he's, he's the nose, yeah. the nose that knows. Um, yes. Their sense of smell is, you know, by orders of a thousand, uh, so much better than ours. So he, if there's anything there at all, he's going to detect it well before we could smell it. All right. So. That that name of the product again. What was that? Uh, urine free. Urine free. Yeah, That's it. So if you go into a pet specialty store and ask for that, they'll um, they'll be able to help you out. All right, huh? Okay. Good. Thank you so much for that. No worries. Thanks, Thanks for your call. Thanks for your call. And you're listening to Pet Chat. Uh, Maureen has rung in now. Hello, Maureen. You've got a question for David? Oh, yes, I have. It's, it's actually about my sister and, and granddaughter. <laughs> the, uh, the little granddaughter was given a rabbit. Right. A little white rabbit. And yep. she's living with a, a man. Yep. And uh, he's naughty. She's naughty. She won't. Uh, poo in a box. She scratches all the, all that sawdusty stuff out all over the floor, and she poos everywhere. Oh dear! And she turns the water thing over, but now they've got a stronger one for her. She's real naughty. She wants to be out all the time. Yeah. They, how long have they had her for? Only about oh, a couple of months. Yeah, it can take. I mean, I've heard plenty of stories where um, house rabbits have been litter trained. And which is which is really good if it can happen. Um, not always though, and uh, it can take a bit of time. The interesting thing is that um, uh, if it's only a young one, then as they mature, they'll probably the, her behaviour will improve. But it takes a bit of work to get her to that yeah, point. Her uh, son and his wife's got uh, one, a brown one. Yes, it's well behaved. They've had for nearly fourteen years. I well, don't know how it's lived so long. There you go. There is, and, um, and it's really good, you know. And But this little one, all she wants to do, they've got a little wire frame that they put up and put a rug underneath it, you know, and she's got chews the box to pieces. Oh, yeah, they've got to be constantly chewing because their teeth are f- um, growing all the time yeah. and they, they need a high-fibre diet to make yeah, sure that the teeth, teeth are looked after. Same as like Louise and Robert Scott have got, they've told her what to feed it in the pet shop with the carrots and apple and yep. uh, lettuce, the special lettuce. <laughs> yep. There's also, uh, if um, they've got access to the internet, there's a really good website which is called rabbit.org, O-R-G, yeah. and uh, there's oh, hundreds of pages on there, all information that you need about housing, litter training, diseases, nutrition, everything that you'd need to know. So what I would also suggest is instead of using the pine shavings for the, in the litter tray, they can be quite messy. Sometimes they're used as, as nesting material too. Use a kitty litter. Like your Breeders' Choice paper kitty litter, it is much better for that regard. It's better for the smell. And hopefully that might be a bit more comfortable for it to go to the toilet with the kitty it's litter there. Terrible, man. <laughs> yes, it's you would do. The, um, they've got a Queensland room out the back. They've got it there. And there's a one little hole in the... This little wire frame that they've got, oh, well, it's fairly big, six foot by 
that too or something. Anyhow, uh, she found it. And she looks for it all the time. <laughs> oh, I bet she does. Get out, you know. She's a, and anyhow, the other little boy, he's um, eight, and he's been out the other day, and he turned it upside down. He said, now she can't find that hole. They <laughs> <laughs> said, why didn't they think? <laughs> One form of behaviour training. Well, thanks very much for your call, Maureen. What was the win- website again? Uh, it's rabbit.org. O-R-G. O-R-G. Yeah, fantastic oh, resource. Got, I'll get, get on that and have a look and see. Good Sounds you. good. Thanks, You're Marie. listening to Pet Chat, and uh, we will be back in just a little moment. We've still got time for a call or two, 49216216, if there's something you'd like to ask David. And it's also Christmas time coming up on, to, on Pet Chat as well. Danny, there's some events happening. Look, Jane, there is some Christmas events that you can share with your pets. How great's that? First of all, at the CNCC showgrounds at 80 Hillsborough Road, Hillsborough, which uh, a lot of the dog shows are held there, we mention it often, the Delta Society are holding their photos with Santa and your pet and yourself and the family. Okay, and the last time you can do it is this Sunday on the 6th of December. So, so do you need sure. a special Santa for that sort of... It's 9am to 1pm and they provide the Santa. They provide the Santa. They provide the Santa. So that should be easy. A pet-loving Santa. A pet-loving Santa, exactly. Now, uh, the other event as well I wanted to mention is at the Maitland Markets at Maitland Showgrounds, again on Sunday the 6th of December, and that's the live nativity scene. And they're going to have a live donkey. How good's that? Excellent. A live Mary and a Joseph and a baby Jesus. So also wonderful to go and see that because it really brings it home what it's about and having the live display there makes you think about what happened 2,000 years ago. Do you think they'll have a procession with Joseph, or I'm not Joseph sure. leading the donkey and Mary on the donkey? I'm not sure, actually, but uh, that would be good and lots of fun, I guess, if they did do that, all dressed up. That's happening at Maitland Showgrounds. <laughs> Maitland Showgrounds. Hunter Animal Rescue also have just um, are going to be releasing their 2010 calendar. Remember, we'll mention yep. to listeners that they can send in their photos and have their pet. Yep. Well, it's out and about, and they're taking orders. So have a look at their website, which is hunteranimalrescue.com.au. And one more thing, if you do have an event that you want us to mention on air, please send your emails to petchat at 2nurfm.com. Petchat at 2nurfm.com, and we're happy to support and talk about it. Hmm. Yes, pets are very much in our thoughts, I suppose, at this stage, this time of year. Look yes. after them. And uh, it's we're we're a bit lucky at the moment. The weather has cooled down. Um, last, I forget which weekend it was. One Very day. hot. Mm-hmm. Past two weekends. Yeah, be almost, careful. Yeah. Be careful because we've had um, animals that have presented to us that have been suffering from heat stress, and it can even occur what we would think might be even you know of an evening when it's cooler. But what happens is during the day is the pet's actually heating up and they're managing to, the heat they're generating, they're actually able to get rid of. But if you do anything with them like exercise, even at the end of the day, they just can't get rid of that accumulated heat quick enough. And so that can tip them over the balance. Um, and we've had some pets uh, turn up with temperatures sort of 41 degrees, normal 38 to 39. So that just tells you how hot they can get and it can cause all sorts of problems. So be very careful with that. And that brings us to the end of Pet Chat today. Thank you, David Tabret. Thanks, Jane. Thank you, Danny Boss. Goodbye, Jane. And we'll be back next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM.